Those in the pro-life movement are looking optimistically to the next U.S. Supreme Court term as one case will have major implications for abortion laws and perhaps even Roe v. Wade. This is Dive Deep. From the Diocese of Springfield in Illinois, this is Dive Deep, where we dive deep into our Catholic faith. I am Andrew Hansen. As I mentioned off the top, the U.S. Supreme Court justices agreeing to hear the state of Mississippi's appeal of a lower court's invalidation of a state law that would have forbid abortions after 15 weeks. Then in July, lawyers for Mississippi asked the Supreme Court to overturn Roe v. Wade and give state legislators the authority to outlaw all abortions. So it's a major case that will have major implications on abortion and abortion policy. It's all going to be happening in the next U.S. Supreme Court term. So we thought we'd bring in Peter Breen. He is with the Thomas More Society, a national non-for-profit law firm that focuses on the defense of the First Amendment. As vice president and senior counsel for the Thomas More Society, Breen represents churches, organizations, and individuals in state and federal courts across the country, as well as those in the pro-life movement. And he joins us on Dive Deep. Peter, thanks for coming on. How are you? Hey, doing great, Andrew. How you doing? We are excellent. We're so happy to have you on here to spell this all out because the Catholic Church, those in the pro-life movement, we are uh, we're looking forward with great optimism, very prayerful that the Supreme Court will um, will look at this case in Mississippi and declare that uh, you can you, abortion after 15 weeks. Uh, you can ban abortion after 15 weeks. Uh, the Supreme Court's going to be ruling on that. What's your read on that? Because we've gotten a lot of cases of the Supreme Court. We've had some setbacks. Do you see this one being different? Well, it, and I see it, certainly it's a positive sign uh, because, uh, you know, the court normally does not take a case unless it wants to do something. Uh, and the question in front of the court was, uh, does Roe necessarily mean that all pre-viability abortions uh, you know, have to be unrestricted? So, I mean, that's, that's a broad question. Uh, it's something that, uh, you know, one thing that people may not necessarily realize is every time an abortion case gets taken up by the Supreme Court, they can overturn Roe, but the way they frame this question, and when you start looking at what does Roe, and, and, and it's you know the, the current uh, state of the law isn't even Roe, you know it's been been modified over the years, but the the current state of abortion regulation from the Supreme Court, I mean it really comes down to that pre viability question, and that's where folks have been trying to chip away, you know, with twenty week bans and, and bans on various types of abortion procedures, uh, bans on discrimination in abortion, so not to, not to aborting a baby because of a race or gender, et cetera. Uh, so this is really the key question. And, and really, you look at it, and uh, folks have, have asked, well, well are they going to overturn Roe? And you never know. And certainly the Supreme Court, uh, you know, it's given us some good victories over these past few years, particularly in the area of religious liberty. And we have had some positive movement on abortion. I mean, not a, not huge positive movement, but some positive movement. And at this point, it, it, it certainly would be a great time to to wipe away uh, this this 50-year uh, mark on our country, this, this terrible abortion precedent uh, that started with Roe v. Wade in 1973. Uh, but, but again, you know, we're, we're still we're still looking at it, trying to figure out, well, are they or aren't they? <laughs> Now, I don't know if you're in the prediction world, but if you can either either give me a prediction or at least talk a little bit more, A, do you think they will strike down, or I should say, will they allow a 15-week abortion ban to go into place in Mississippi? Will, will that will that happen? And maybe what's your prediction on 
okay, will, will their ruling go beyond just that state law? Do you think they will tackle Roe v. Wade? Well, and, and it, so I, I'm sitting here trying to figure out it as, as a lawyer and, and, and both lawyer and a former politician, uh, you know, from, from the politician side, uh, you know, you, you want to try to make everybody happy. You want to insulate your decision from attack. And then same thing on the legal side. Uh, but there's also just the, the aspect of why not just rip off the Band-Aid? Uh, when they appointed, uh, when, when President Trump appointed Amy Coney Barrett, uh, he appointed someone who was extremely pro-life, publicly pro-life. Uh, so that's your sixth justice. Uh, we know that at least Justices Alito, Thomas, and Gorsuch are all very pro-life. Uh, and, and, and really, uh, uh, Justice Rob, Chief Justice Roberts, uh, you know, folks are very clear, you know, his family has a long history in the pro-life movement. And then Justice Kavanaugh uh, is known as a, you know, as a, as a, a faithful uh, a, you know, pro-life person, too. So you're sitting there going, well, we got six people who, at least in their personal lives, are pro-life. And we think uh, in their heart of hearts, uh, you know, believe that there's no abortion in the Constitution. Uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, how exactly do they then manifest that? Uh, and so I have to say, I'm sitting there trying to figure out, well, how do they allow Mississippi's law without overturning, really just taking the, the entire guts out of Roe and Casey and, and the other precedents, I just have a hard time uh, you know, figuring out how they do it unless they just wipe the whole slate clean or nearly wipe the slate clean uh, You know, at this point. It would be easier just to wipe the slate clean and then just you know say, look, the federal courts are not a place for abortion law. Um, that'd be a great result. It'd be you know, kind of a vindication of what we've been uh, what we've been doing in the pro-life movement, particularly on the legal front for the last 50 years. But they, they could do something where they essentially uh, gut, you know, just, just just so gut Roe and its progeny that really it's effectively dead. And maybe, you know, maybe they don't technically reverse it uh, in this case. But they again, they, they, they apply such a, a high bar to apply Roe that, that maybe it's just, you know, it, it almost collapses of its own weight. Uh, but again, so that's, I, I got to tell you, those are the two things I was, those are the two ways I was thinking they could, they could do this, where they could uphold the Mississippi law, um, you know, and, 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 you know, and, and how they could, how they could do that, um, you know, going forward. Well, the, the good thing, I, I sense a lot of optimism in, in your voice and us in the pro-life movement. Um, you know, this is, this is an opportunity right here uh, for us to, as you say, continue to chip away and, and show the value of human life, every human life beginning at the moment of conception. Now, I don't know if you thought of this, but, you know, we've seen kind of with, with marijuana, uh, despite federal laws on the books, we've seen states passing, legalizing marijuana. So let's just say the Supreme Court rules that a 15-week abortion ban is constitutional and then say, you know, other states follow suit, you know, a, a very pro-life states follow suit, but could you see, especially we see in this political climate, attorney general, uh, state attorney generals, could they say, you know what, you guys passed that law, but if Planned Parenthood continues to want to abort children after 15 weeks, I'm not going to prosecute. I'm not going to do anything about it. Uh, you, you certainly can see that because really uh, the, the, the aim of the pro-life movement in its federal court strategy has been to get the abortion issue back into the hands of the states which is where you regulate things like this. And so then what you have, I mean, it, it really, it, it, you know, the pro-life movement doesn't end. If anything, it now need, it would need to move to a, an even more intense phase uh, where in state by state, you're going to have to fight in order to get better abortion laws on the books, to push, uh, to protect life at, at the maximum level. Uh, you would need, right, you, you'd need good prosecutors possibly, uh, but really uh, what you're, you know, a lot of the, you know, 
you know, really is less prosecution. It's more medical boards because once you once you take a state and say, hey, this medical procedure, you're not doing it. Well, if a doctor goes in and does the procedure, he loses his medical license. Mm. And so that that is probably less a less a concern, maybe, because those, those medical boards are pretty, pretty rough. If you've ever had to deal with a regulatory agency, you know, they usually uh, you know, they, they, they enforce the regulations with great vigor. Um, but yeah, yeah, what we've seen, actually, uh, uh, one place we've looked is, say, in the state of Iowa, very pro-life state, a state that enacts a heartbeat ban uh, and uh, their state Supreme Court which uh, had been appointed uh, by some Democrats. Uh, so they had some Democratic governors that didn't realize, and maybe the people of Iowa didn't realize, they appointed a, a number of justices to the state Supreme Court who were extremely liberal. And they tried to impose, they, they, their last decision was imposing a right to abortion in the state constitution. Uh, and that was, they, they took a provision of the state constitution that was enacted sometime in the 1850s and said, oh, that, that meant for a right to abortion. You know, ignoring the fact that abortion had been illegal in Iowa at the time and, you know, for the years following until Roe v. Wade. 1850. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. It was in the 1850s. I, I don't remember the exact year, but it was uh, it was a sort of thing uh, you, you could get. Uh, you know, we've got to fight in the state Supreme Courts kind of the way we fight in the, in the federal courts. I, I mean, I, and I have to tell you, so as someone who was a state legislator and, and you, know, you know, each each state, you, you get licensed in a particular state. That's your home state as a lawyer, even though you might practice elsewhere. Uh, every state has a very has a different feel for their state supreme courts, and most uh, state supreme courts are very collegial. They're not political. Uh, you know, they've become more political in the, the years uh, in these last few years. But you get certain states that you might say, "Well, gee, that's a red state, very pro life," and their state supreme court starts handing down decisions that you're going, "Well, you know, what do they mean? Abortions in my state constitution?" You know, that happened to the people of Tennessee. Uh, happened to the people of Iowa. It's it's been happening to the people of Kansas. Uh, states that that the the populace very much rejects abortion, uh, but they had had these very bad uh, bad precedents from their state supreme courts. You know, people in the state of Tennessee had to pass a constitutional amendment, which is a very convoluted process. There it took them many years to just get abortion out of the state constitution. The people of Iowa, uh, they've elected uh, the, the new Republican governor, I believe, has appointed some new justices, so that that case may come down differently if it comes back again. Kansas has been a tough place because they had a Democratic governor uh, who appointed very appointed very liberal justices, not in accord with the people of the state. But you know they don't vote on their justices there apparently. Uh, you know so that you know, there's some there's some fights that we're going to have to have state by state by state uh, to really in, enshrine that right to life. And uh, so you'll see you'll see that. Um, you know what we hope with the Supreme Court's decision is that they now allow the states to to do what they need to do to protect uh, protectable babies. You mentioned states right there. What are you seeing across the country in terms of states enacting pro-life laws on abortion? I mean, we've seen some states like uh, like Missouri, for example, they've passed strong pro-life. We've seen states like Illinois, though, pass laws that make abortion a fundamental right, even taxpayers paying for abortion. By and large, the landscape across America, I've always felt like America, and even in polling, is just ever so slightly trending more and more pro-life. Is that your read? Even though us in Illinois, we feel like, boy, we just get loss after loss, but by and large across the country, it's a different ball game. Well, and, and this is the thing. It, so for, for instance, in Illinois, one of our problems is that the abortion side uh, developed a very strong political action committee. They put a lot of money behind that. They had big dollar people. And actually for a while, it was big dollar people in both, both political parties. And so they really took control 
uh, and rammed through laws that are, are not supported by the majority of Illinoisans, but they're supported by the money people. Uh, so you've got a, you know, you've got a problem with that. And of course, there's a political machine in Illinois that operates and, and uh, it's funded by abortion money in part, you know, along with some other special interests. And so that, that makes, that's going to make our job here more difficult because of the money. Uh, but certainly the people of Illinois are not in favor of taxpayer funded abortion. The polls show that. They're not in favor of third trimester abortions, which were recently uh, you know, the, the restrictions were lifted on those. Uh, you know, these, this late term terrible business. Uh, you know, restrictions on uh, you know that allow for more fetal tissue trafficking, uh, harvesting, and, and uh, trafficking here in Illinois. Those you know those restrictions were lifted. You know, that, the people here are not for that. Uh, and so, you know, our job as as faithful uh, you know, people of faith is to to point it out to fight for those uh, those laws to change. I will say, in in states like you said, like Missouri, our, our, frankly, every state surrounding Illinois, the pro life movement has been smart. It's been effective. Uh, whether it's Indiana or Kentucky, uh, you know, Missouri, uh, Wisconsin, you know, Iowa, uh, Michigan has been great. Uh, you know, really, I mean. It, Literally every single state that borders Illinois has improved its abortion laws. At the same time, ours have gotten worse. And it's it's really uh, you know they've done smart things um, and they're just you know working very hard. Uh, but it is it's a tough slog. I'll tell you, you know, it takes a lot of prayer, and a lot of work uh, by by folks, just regular people, you know, working hard, getting getting the right people elected, you know, lobbying their their legislators once they're in, getting the right governor elected. You know, a lot of things have to come together to change the culture of a state to really be more pro-life. Um, and, I'm, you know, it's been great to work with some of those folks. It's, it's given me great hope. Uh, you know, as Illinois becomes more of an outlier in the Midwest, uh, you know, that, that's not a good thing for the abortion movement. Uh, you know, they're, they're looking around at our neighboring states. And, you know, that what, we're, what I'm hoping is that our neighboring states will start to lift Illinois up and get, get us into a better place in our abortion policy. Uh, because we're, you know, the, the people in our neighboring states are rejecting Illinois' policies on a variety of fronts, including an abortion. Right. Do you think if, if the U.S. Supreme Court rules in favor of Mississippi's 15-week abortion ban, do you see other states immediately following suit? Let's just say that they don't even tackle Roe yeah. v. Wade, but you just see all, all of a sudden 15-week abortion bans across all these pro-life states? And, and more. Uh, so what you've got right now, and, and the state of Mississippi could have passed a more stringent uh, a ban. Uh, they could have passed a heartbeat bill. They could, you know, so go down to, you know, we're talking weeks. Um, what, in just a few weeks, not, not to 15. You know, th- this 15 week ban was a more strategic decision by uh, pro life movement legislators in Mississippi. Uh, they, they didn't go as far as they could have. Uh, certainly they had the support to in the legislature because they wanted to try to test this out. Uh, but once the court, if the court allows a 15 week ban, there's really nothing stopping states from going much, much further down. Uh, so, you know, making sure that, the, you know, no abortions in the first trimester, you know, after the first trimester, you're going to see a lot of that because that, that's a, when you start looking at the, you poll the American people in terms of their support uh, for abortion, abortion after, I mean, abortion after the first trimester, I mean, support for that plummets. I mean, you're, you're talking 20, 30% of Americans support that. Uh, so you know you you could find yourself very quickly with a majority of states banning abortion after the first trimester. Uh, then you'd have heartbeat bans, which many states have now imposed. Uh, you know a lot of these uh, laws have actually been challenged in court, and they're under injunction right now. If the Supreme Court were to wipe away uh, the current precedent, allow the Mississippi law, 
you could see a number of these other laws. All of a sudden, the injunctions on those other laws might be lifted, and then you, the laws are already on the books, is what I'm saying. Uh, and so things just could pop right into effect, or, or you know, lawsuits that had been lost would all of a sudden be revived, and you could see laws very, very quickly uh, become effective in a, just a swath of states, scores of states. Now, we saw this last term, uh, Peter, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that the city of Philadelphia went too far in imposing its anti-discrimination law on Catholic social services because uh, Catholic social services refused to consider same-sex parents eligible to adopt foster children. Uh, the first thing with this case, Peter, uh, unanimous from the Supreme Court, and you mentioned religious liberty a little bit ago, uh, that religious liberty has had profound victories from the Supreme Court. So when I saw that ruling, that's the first thing that at least struck me is Wow, nine nothing, and and that that ruling of, of supporting the Catholic Charities, the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, uh, their Catholic Charities, uh, you know, they have a different name for it, but uh, it's it's a Catholic Charities equivalent. Uh, you know, that was it was for us in Illinois who had our uh, foster care system in the Catholic uh, Church forcibly shut down uh, by you know, politicians and bureaucrats here in Illinois. Uh, it really was, it was vindication. It's 10 years too late, but it is a vindication of, of our legal arguments uh, from that time and, and our fight. Uh, you know, the Catholic Charities of Springfield was, was strong in that. Uh, uh, Joliet, uh, we had uh, Peoria and also Belleville dioceses uh, were parties in that lawsuit, uh, you know, to, to try to defend the rights of uh, people of faith to, to run a social service agency without you know, giving up uh, the core tenets of your faith. Uh, so that that ruling from the Supreme Court was was just wonderfully heartening, and and, and it is it was it was funny. I, I the the way the other side, you know, the folks that were on the other side of that portrayed it, they said, no, no, limited ruling, no, no, no it wasn't that much, and all that. But you sit there and look at what the court did, you know, turn down the sound and and see what they're actually doing. Uh, they allowed, uh, they they really they bucked this um, you know this terrible cancel culture essentially. And said, no, you know, if the Catholic Church and the Catholic Charities can do what they want to do and they don't have to be forced to change their core tenets in order to do it. And that's that, I think, was a wonderful precedent that is going to uh, pay dividends for years to come. But but again, I, I still I I, I really it, it's it's a vindication of the work that we did in Illinois 10 years ago, fighting against the government that just tried to you know, the government just wanted the Catholic Charities to go away, didn't want them to fight uh to keep foster care, which which we had been doing for a hundred years, had thousands of children under our care, and and I have to tell you, uh, you know, after that fight, uh, it was in 2011 here in this state, uh, the, the 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 government was so vicious in attacking the Catholic Church and Catholic charities uh, that began some of the religious liberty efforts undertaken by the bishops. You know, kind of brought renewed vigor, uh, and even some of our Illinois bishops were there in at the USCCB. Really, uh, kind of like Paul Revere going, you know, look, the government is coming, and, and let's be let's be vigorous in response. And you've seen a, a, a vigorous response on the, the part of the church in the last ten years for religious liberty, and that this lawsuit, the, you know, the, thank God for Philadelphia, uh, they you know they they persevered and fought it, and they won. And and again, this is the latest in a long line of religious liberty protecting Supreme Court decisions. Uh, you know, the trend is up. Maybe it's not perfect. Maybe we're not getting everything we want. But the trend is our friend in this. And so I, I am very hopeful uh, that the Supreme Court will continue to, to, be, a, to be a friend. It's, it's not perfect. You know, they can't fix everything. They're not, they're not taking every case. 
but at least we're, we're getting a little more protection to try to ensure that people of faith, uh, no matter whether they live in a red state or a blue state or a, you know, uh, you know, conservative, liberal, what, what have you know, a religion friendly or a religion unfriendly uh, jurisdiction that that the people that people of faith can live, work, do your business, uh, and not have the government shut you down uh, because of your religious beliefs. Yeah, when it comes to religious liberty, there there's there's some frustration though from from the, from, from people in support of religious liberty um, from what the Supreme Court has been doing because a lot of their decisions have been more narrow. I think of you know the baker in Colorado who didn't want to bake a cake for a gay wedding, and and yet. You know, he continues to get attacked, and there's been other people who continue to get attacked for, they're saying it's artistic license, you're, it's my First Amendment not to do this, and yet courts continue to seem to just say, uh, at least fall on the side against against these folks. So uh, at, at some point, Peter, I mean, can't the Supreme Court just almost give us more of a, a, a unanimous ruling as opposed to some of these more narrow things where th- then other courts are misinterpreting maybe what the Supreme Court just did? Well, I I got to tell you, the, the, the unanimity of the Supreme Court in this last case, and, and, and I don't think it can be understated. And, you know, part of the issue, when you see a unanimous decision on the Supreme Court on an issue like this, uh, you could put on, you know, if you want to you know, kind of you know, be an armchair court watcher, you can say there was a majority to do more, and they got the, the more, you know, the folks that might not have been as friendly to this position to come along so as to stop them from doing more. But, but once it's unanimous, so, I mean, really look, look at it, look at it this way, that the, the Catholic charities of the, of the archdiocese of Philadelphia was able to say, we are not recruiting. Uh, we are not uh, certifying, uh, you know, same sex couples uh, to be, you know, we, we, we don't, we are not treating them like they're married. We are continuing to provide government services and they were allowed to do that by justices on the far left, you know, along with folks on the you know, on the on the right. Uh, so, so just that core premise that that there was. You know, I mean, I have to tell you, Andrew, I I was having a hard time thinking of another case where a Catholic entity was allowed, you know, as part, you know, Catholic entity providing government, you know, being in, in partnership with the government, was able to say. We're not recognizing those as marriages. Uh, I'm having a hard time with it. Mm-hmm. And, and that had the blessing of, you know, of Justice Breyer and Kagan, Sotomayor, you know, the, the three on, on the left. Again, I, I'd say turn down the sound and, and see what they're doing. Uh, that was an incredible decision. And it's something that, that I think gives our folks, uh, it should give our folks a lot of, of hope. Um, and, and then, you know, lower court judges that are sitting there going, well, now I'm you know, bound by precedent. Maybe maybe more friendly lower court judges might help to clear more space for people of faith when they're put upon in by unfriendly governments or jurisdictions. Uh, you know, and, and again, though, I mean, I, I know there was there was a case, uh, Arlene's, uh, Arlene's Flowers. You know, we were uh, she was a, a florist uh, that did not want to go and do the floral arrangements for a gay wedding. Uh, you know, the Supreme Court didn't take her case. Uh, we really wished that, uh, that they would, but they didn't. And they took the cake baker, and at least, you know, they did that. Uh, so, I, you know, and you never know why they take a case or don't. Uh, but, you know, they're not, they're not a be-all, end-all, but at least what they've done is given us some tools where we can try to clear out this space so that people of faith can live fully and freely uh, as 
you know, with, with every privilege of citizenship in this country. Uh, you know, that, yeah, I mean, the Supreme Court is not a cure-all, but they have given us some tools, some, you know, some things that we can use. And, and look, I mean, the, the fight is on. I would say that. Um, you know, but, and we have the ability to win. Uh, we've just got to be faithful and continue to work very hard at it. Um, you know, to continue to clear the space for this. Yeah, and you mentioned people of faith. Any any other case that comes to mind that we need to be on the lookout for? Anything we need to be praying for? Well, I mean, you know, right right now, our at Thomas More Society, uh, one of my main uh, clients that I that I work for is uh, David Delayden, who put forward the Planned Parenthood videos uh, several years ago that showed that you know showed them involved in the, in the harvesting and trafficking of baby body parts. And uh, David is under criminal prosecution. We're facing both civil actions by Planned Parenthood, the National Abortion Federation, multi-million dollar judgments against him that we're seeking to have reversed. And he's facing nine felony counts for illegal undercover taping that Kamala Harris, uh, the former attorney general of California, now vice president, she started the process, Javier Becerra, now the secretary of health and human services. He actually brought the charges and they're just pushing this case against him even though he did all of his taping in public locations uh, and, and you know, the state of California regular, you know, has regular occurrences of other undercover journalists that are freely able to do their business and they're lauded. David got prosecuted. So prayers for him uh, because his work uh, had a huge impact and continues to have a huge impact on making the cause for life, uh, showing the humanity of the unborn and, and really highlighting a gruesome practice where you've been commercializing uh, the, the, you know, the, the parts and organs of, of little innocent human babies. Yeah. And, and we'll get you out on this, uh, Peter, tell us more about the Thomas More Society. And, and for those listening, thomasmoresociety.org is your website. You've, you guys have been before the Supreme Court, uh, even though you're based in Chicago, I know you're helping David and, and he's in California. Uh, you mentioned uh, the florist. I mean, you guys are, are all over across the country. Um, tell, tell us people ultimately what, what your, what your mission is. Well, we were founded to, to restore respect in law for life, family, and religious liberty. We started defending Joe Scheidler, a pro-life activist on the north side of Chicago, uh, who was nationally known. Uh, and we took that case up to the Supreme Court three times. Uh, longest case that, uh, that at least we know of, most, most trips to the United States Supreme Court uh, ever. It's a 28-year battle that we won. And that really helped. Uh, you know, that put us on the map. And uh, I would, I'll tell you, you know, our founder, Tom Brecka, he was a business lawyer in Chicago, started doing that case, eventually had to quit his law firm because it was, took up so much time. And, and then others came and asked Tom for help. Uh, the Thomas More Society was founded, uh, and we've just been, been building and working and growing ever since. You know, we've been privileged to represent the Catholic charities of the, uh, the Diocese of Springfield and dioceses you know, around, around the country, uh, along with you know, many uh, churches and individuals uh, you know, of various faiths. Uh, so that's that's our our work, and and we now, you know, from our when I started 13 years ago, it was mo- it was pretty much just Tom and me, uh, and now we've grown to we've got offices in at least five different states, coast to coast, lawyers all over the place, uh, because there's so much work to be done, and people have been generous in helping you know helping us to grow, and we've been able to respond, uh, to, you know. Everything from, you know, church shutdowns during COVID, uh, you know, that's been a new challenge for us. And uh, we were able to win a lot of those cases, including up at, you know, up at the Supreme Court. And you know, we were able to win the South Bay case, along with getting the, you know, the restrictions lifted here in Illinois and elsewhere. Well, you guys do great work. Again, thomasmoresociety.org, Peter Breen. Well, Peter, we, we will look with great anticipation 
the U.S. Supreme Court in their next term coming up, and we will hope and pray uh, that uh, ultimately their decision falls on the side of life. Peter Breen, thank you so much for coming on Dive Deep. Hey, great to talk, Andrew. Take care. All right. If you would like more podcasts, head on over to dial.org slash podcast. And until next time, we'll see you right here on Dive Deep.